should do. So there you are, partitioning. You're partitioning a verb. You're trying to give it a beginning, which is you as the doer, and an end, the you that you've done yourself into. So there's the verbing that's constantly available at all times, the undercurrent called existence or being, and our mind's interpretation is, all right, I'm going to stick myself in front of a part of that verb. I'm going to, like, edit life and stick myself in as a noun, and I'm going to live from the assumption I'm the doer of this verb. I'm the haver of this verb. I'm living. I'm living. I'm hearing. I'm feeling. I'm tasting. I'm touching. And I'm specially thinking about it all. I, 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 I. But this is, this is like an insertion or a, or a tying in or editing a little bit of a film that doesn't, it's not so. Yeah. There is no noun in living. There's just verbing. We stick a noun in there, name and form, Michael or Paul, body, all these ideas. And so now, and then we interpret, we just jump in the river of verbing, and we interpret it as if that's where the river started. I did this. I heard this. I felt this. So now, how we interpret the river is that it began and ends here. I'm the, I'm the alpha and the omega of the river, and I'm the doer and haver of all things that are done and have here. I meaning I as a Michael, I as a Steve, I as a Sue, I as a Paul. It doesn't matter. Just the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. The noun is now going to interpret the verbing as if it's coming from me or coming towards me. So instead of life is happening, which is so obviously the case, it's life's happening to me. Which is not obviously the case. That has, it's like a huge giant, it's like, you know, that guy who used to bend spoons. The guy, what's his name? It's like bending the flow of life. Life's happening to me. It's fucking exhausting in a sense. That's why you're so burnt out. This giant river. To me. Ah, yes. You shouldn't have done that to me. And then I can have resentments and see you as a threat and have anxiety about what is else going to happen to me. I have no control over the things that are happening to me. And I want to. Give me some assurance everything's going to be okay down the river. I can't. Yeah. So then the canals get built and the dams and the reservoirs. I'm going to make my own little lake. I'm going to make sure nothing ever happens. And it's all freaking baloney. All of it's included in the giant, giant river. You think you're like... Have, you think you're separate from life and it's happening to you. I'm the noun that everything's happening to me. You know, freaking break. Talk about relevance. Talk about ex- extreme arrogance of self-centeredness to believe that life is happening to you. That it has something out against you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's bending, it's bending its whole intent which is happening to you. Yeah. <laughs> what an incredible amount of arrogance of mind to believe you are that important. So when that noun gets inserted into the verb, instead of life being seen as happening, it's happening to you now. Then you start seeing all of the verbing of life as if it's happening to you as the noun, or that it's not happening to you, which you want to happen to me. It's happening to another noun. So envy and jealousy arise. And then all this stuff, as soon as you take a fixed point, you give everything else direction. 
Things you like aren't happening going my way. Things I like are going somewhere else. Things I don't like are coming to me. And now you tell everything about this place called happening with a verb as you as the central point of the noun of the whole world. You become self-centered. And then the interpretation is based on that center called self. So you're interpreting life from a false center. And you don't understand why you're so confused. You can't see a verb because you're seeing it with a noun way of looking. Yeah? You're thinking that you're putting... <laughs> a noun cannot get the sense of a verb. It can't. It can read all the books it wants to. It can think it does things to feel like it had, was a verb for that time. When I jumped out of that plane, I felt like a verb. Or when I caught that wave, I felt like a verb. But it always reasserts itself of being a noun. So now all the things of feeling like a verb become an experience the noun had. The noun is Sue, this historical action figure. So now all the verbing in life, which we're dying to have, we're dying to have an experience of, but we get, the, we get the exact opposite. Once we claim the experience, it reinforces the idea of being a noun. And so you're truly missing the verbness of life. That's what you're aching for. And so what, unfortunately, we're saddled with this way of looking of self sentiments or name and form, and so we set out looking for the alan vital of life or the verb of life, but as a noun. So we try to acquire experiences, verbings, you know, lovings and jumpings and swimmings and surfings and acquiring and having with the hopes that some of that verbness will, wear, will rub off on us and we'll feel more like a verb, but as a noun, all this body, these old ideas, which are very old. These old ideas hasn't, haven't verbed in a long time. <laughs> that you're unlovable, or you don't deserve, or whatever it may be up there. They've like, become the pillars of your little false mansion you live in, which are all closets, basically. There's no fucking living room, or bedroom, or kitchen. There's no making of anything. It's just closets of old ideas and thoughts being pulled out all day. <laughs> So, there's the dilemma. You're suffering from the lack of noun, of verbing as a noun. And you can't see that you're not a noun. That would be the immediate release of all the dilemmas, at least the beginning of the release. Because it may look like a verb as it releases. It may verb in time that you'll get better over time. Or like the Course says, you're, you're the dreamer of this dream. And you know what? You're already awake. But what's going to happen is you're going to dream yourself out of this dream. And while you're doing it, the dream will get happier. What an beautiful statement. You're dreaming yourself out of this dream of being a noun. And as you are dreaming yourself out of this nounness of Paul and all this, your life will get happier the more and more you drop into the verbing of it. Yes, it's that freaking simple. But not as a noun. A noun can only do a verb, yes? Only to not do it, yes? A noun isn't running, it's, it's the one who runs, yes? A noun isn't peace, it's the one who has peace. The noun isn't love, it's the one who senses love. The noun isn't serenity, it's the one who has some serenity. Only to lose it, because if you have something, you can lose it. The noun cannot get the sense of peace, because peace is a living movement, not a stagnant thing you've acquired or achieved or captured. You don't have a little place on your mantle, oh, there's the peace from 2007. 
I was practicing meditation for eight months. I finally got some. There it is. Check it out. Caught at the Vipassana Temple, Bangkok, Thailand, 2008. Peace. Right. Where's my fear? Well, I got tons. Let me show you the fear. <laughs> I have, I've acquired a lot of fear. Come on in. <laughs> no, no, no. I got my own fear little closet now. See? This whole idea of being a noun is what's fucking you. <laughs> Literally. What happens with a noun? Life gets interpreted and you become a storage unit for the mind's interpretation of life. So you're not experiencing a living moment, you're experiencing or rehashing an old moment. That's what it does. You live from memory, old thoughts, old feelings, old whatever ideas are just rehashed over and over and over again. The interpretation is constantly presented to override the fact of the livingness of life. So therefore, you believe, as a noun, the best you can do is have had, ex- had an experience. You cannot be that in which you felt you experienced it. So an epiphany happens in one's life, and you get a really incredible example of really the flavor of what's going on here. And immediately the head, when it gets over, it's a usual, an epiphany is a nice, almost knockout blow to the selfing, if you ever notice. It startles it into submission. But the cell thing goes it's down to its corner. Some water gets thrown on it. It goes, oh, oh, I had the experience. <laughs> that epiphany was an experience I had. And it wins at the, at the threshold of defeat. It pulls out the victory. It claims it. <laughs> and then you, then you sign up for another 50 rounds of fighting. <laughs> you, you become the spiritual champ. You had the big epiphany. <laughs> You become a spiritual champ. <laughs> the epiphany is pure verbing. That's what it is. It's pure verbing, unadulterated by a noun. You get a sense of it. Yes? The noun arises and goes, I, as the noun, had this experience called an epiphany. As soon as, if you notice, if you've ever been in an epiphany, if you could actually watch what happens, usually the epiphany ends when this thing arises. <laughs> You've got to see it's not random. When this arises, this thought, oh, I just had this incredible experience, then the experience seems to stop. Yes? Because it's not an experience. It actually becomes an experience. See, what you were calling an experience was not an experience you were having. So as soon as it's called an experience you were having, what actually was going on seems to stop for you. Because it was, first of all, not an experience you were having. That's the interpretation. As soon as the experience that you are having is held to be what's happening, you lose the verbing of life. It's as simple as that. As soon as the noun claims the verbing as something that happened to it, the verbing isn't held as a verb anymore. It's now been neutered and boxed and it's become an experience that the noun had. And immediately, as soon as that packaging, so your, your noun calls it an experience, and that's why it stops, because it's not an experience. You've just interpreted an event that was actually free from all experiences. You were not experiencing it in it. There was no you to experience anything. That is a beautiful What If you want to call anything that was being experienced, it was life with the absence of self. That's what was going on. But when this thing rises and misnames it and goes, I had an experience then that event is interpreted to be something else. That's all that's happening here. 
all day. That's what your head's doing all day. It's interpreting what's actually going on and making it into a story about something else, as you, as the noun. As soon as the interpretation arises, the real revelation is unseen. And then the interpretation keeps going on. And now you have an experience called an epiphany. And if you have a couple of them, now you'll become a spiritual noun. Yeah? Paul will be a spiritual Paul instead of an addict Paul. Yeah? And maybe he needs to acquire some more epiphanies. So then maybe he'll go back to the same hotel it happened at and eat the same breakfast he ate that day as if he can do and have himself into an epiphany. It's totally insane. The self-centered modality just overrode it once again. So the noun thinks it's having an experience of life. That's not what's going on. Life is happening. Yeah? There's no beginning where you started doing and having life, and there's no end point where life is doing you. There's just a verb of living. You can see it, but you can't see it as a noun. If you could, you would have already. If you could, you would have already. You would see it right now. But you're not seeing it because you're looking from a point of view of being a noun, so you miss it. And all the while, like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're really looking for. What's looking is a verb, it's not a noun. You're looking for it as a noun. That's why you can't recognize what's looking is what you are looking for. It's, it's the same events happening at the same place. One is an interpretation, that there's the you that's looking for, and the other interpretation, it is an interpretation, let's say the other view is what's looking. So what's looking is the verb. The you that's looking for is the noun. The noun can't recognize the verb, yes? Because what's looking is the you that's looking for. The seeming noun is the verb. So what's looking is actually the you that's looking for. But the head has you believing that the you means a body called Michael as a noun, with old ideas and feelings, and this has happened to me in stories and like that. That you that's looking for is actually what's looking. What's looking is the verb, and the mind's head take is there's a you that's looking for, which is the noun. The you now tries to look for the verb, it can't look to see the verb because you can't see the verb as a noun. Why? Because there is no noun. It's an imaginary like vista point. You're not going to recognize what's happening from the noun because that's the illusion in a sense and the verb is the reality. Yeah? The other way, what's looking can definitely see the you that's looking for. You can definitely drop into what's actually happening here which is what's looking and one of the things you'll see when you're seeing from what's looking is the you that's looking for. You'll see it like you would a chair in a room. Literally. You'll see its construction, its polishing, its cherishing, its placement in the room as the main throne and all of this. And you'll see it, and you'll see it playing God and everything like that. And it's so cool in a way because you're not that. That's, that's like sort of the unspoken proclamation. The verbing doesn't have to say, I'm not that, because that would be a noun saying, I'm not that. The verbing is living, I'm not that. Yeah? So it's prior to having to say anything. So from the verb, from the what's looking, it's a recognition of the you that's looking for, I'm not that. It's not like any thought process or any practice. It's just, ding! 
ding, and, and obviously, in the verbing, it doesn't stop. There's not a place where it stops. Yes? In other words, awareness is a verb, or beingness is being. It's not wasing or willing. There's being. And presence is the same thing. There is not a past in presence, nor is there the future of presence. There's presence. Now, this is the one timeless event in time for us, is what we call now. This is the portal between timeless and time. This is the pause, P-A-U-S-E, not pause, P-A-W-S, you know. The pause, the pause that we have in recovery, which is a timeless moment in time. If you ever feel a pause, it feels different than a moment in your linear story. It just... It catches your attention, and your attention, instead of being so tunnel vision, goes just spreads out like that. And anything can happen in a pause. It's really cool. Instead of, but everything's happening to me. That's not the pause. Anything can happen. That's a pause. In a sense, a flavor of anything. So there's the pause. In that pause, that's an eternal, non-time event in this linear story of time. It's your, it's your exit point every moment. Yeah? The pause, to me, is the beingness is what we call I am. So, I am what? Well, the feeling of I am is you're on. And how do you get to know you're on? Because of conscious contact. Yeah? So, you're feeling, seeing, tasting, touching, smelling, and actually witnessing thoughts. You're seeing thoughts like the mind sees thoughts like an eye sees birds. Yeah. So you're seeing thoughts. So that's conscious contact. Right there is the pause. Then the mind's reaction to conscious contact is I am seeing. I am feeling. I am tasting. I am touching. I am smelling. I am thinking. Yes? So you can see the mind's major method of movement is claiming. So there's the conscious contact. So there's life, and mind claims life, because life is the living of it. Yeah? It's the conscious contact. Smelling, feeling, tasting, touching, uh, what feeling, or smelling, or hearing, and the thinking. That is what we call life. Yeah? So life is happening, conscious contact. You're conscious of it, yeah? by smelling, feeling, tasting, touching, whatever, hearing. You're conscious of it. That's the conscious contact. Then the head reacts to that, and it says, I'm hearing that. So name and form become very important. Instead of the seeing or the verbing of it, it's who's hearing it and what they're hearing becomes most important. Yeah? Who's seeing and what they're seeing becomes more important than the seeing. Who's feeling and what they're feeling is more important than feeling. Yes? Yes, yes. So the conditional head has now claimed life, basically. That's what it's done. And it's not doing it every second, like because you'll be exhausted. You're going, I'm seeing, I'm feeling, I'm taking. You'll be so having to do so much. So there's this belief or this feeling that you're traveling as that you're the doer, the seer, the feeler, the hearer, the taster, the toucher, which also implies that you're the doer and haver of all your actions. Yes. So the sense of being the doer of life, in other words, as if this that this act of seeing is doing. But in fact, it's not doing at all, if you notice. If your eyes open and a bird flies by this window, you'll see it. There's no doing. I'm going to see this bird. You know, let me, let me ready. I've been working out for months about seeing birds. I think I can really handle it. Oh, there it is. That's right. I did it. No. Obviously, there was no doing involved, yeah? 
this consciousness, the, uh, the lens is pointed in a certain direction, a bird flies by, and you see. There's no doing involved in it. You know? You're not the doer, you're not the seer, you're not the hearer, you're not the feeler, you're not the teacher, you're not the toucher. These are, this is a story by your head, yes? It's actually a, well, you could call it a lullaby, but it's sort of nightmarish after a while. But it puts you to sleep to the fact that you're conscious contact. You forget. So there it is, the conscious contact being claimed by the head. Yes. Feeling, seeing, feeling, tasting. So you have this belief that you're the seer, you're the hearer, you're the feeler, you're the taster. But even if you look at your own body, you can't even shit when you want to. I mean, I was on trains to India, and the last thing I wanted to do was shit. I had no say in the matter. Because you didn't want to go to a bathroom in a train to India. But it's totally, I was totally powerless over my bowel movements. Yes? Totally powerless over what I see, basically. I have tons of opinions why I shouldn't have seen it, or this and that. But I'm powerless over what I see. If I'm looking a certain way, I'm going to see it. Ooh, I didn't want to see that, but I saw it. <laughs> you don't have any power, really. <laughs> It's hilarious that we try to exert so much power when we don't have any. I mean, you're not pumping your blood. If you did, you would have died. You would have forgotten this. Something would have become more important than pumping your blood. Your earth-shattering future event you're worried about. You'd be dead. If you, you know, if you ate a burrito two days ago, you would have forgotten it. It'd still be simmering in there. You know, shoot, I gotta get, hey, I'm going to take off the rest of the day and go to digest this burrito. I forgot it two days ago. No. Everything's working pretty much involuntarily as its apparatus. Guess what? It's more than you can imagine. There's no doing and seeing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling, or thinking. You're not the doer of it. You're not the thinker of it. You're not the thinker of the thoughts. That is the mind's claiming thoughts that are being seen, because you're awake, as you having something to do with it. And you download. What happens is a thought seen... A thought sees, it's, you see it just like you would see a bird. A bird usually doesn't hover, unless it's a hummingbird, doesn't hover in the window for an hour, three hours looking at you. It goes, it's birding, yeah, it's flying and doing whatever. But here's a thought comes in. You see the thought. But how you see it is I'm the thinker of it. So this is my thought. Or it's about me, which also co- connects you to the thought as mine. So here's a thought, and you believe the thought's driving you crazy. But in fact, it's the you that's driving you crazy through the thought. So there's the thought. Then it's seen as yours, and it's, so it becomes my. The act of identification is the mind. I'm not talking about an event that happened years ago. I'm saying that every moment. This is what's occurring. Yeah? So the thought goes by, and it's held as my thought. That my connects it to the file system called Paul. Paul has a lot of files about Paul, about life, about others other than Paul, a lot of things. Young Paul, old Paul, the parents of Paul, the school children with Paul, whatever. And as soon as the thought becomes my thought, this file drags up some old ideas and downloads it into the thought. So the bonding agent isn't the thought. You are the bonding agent. The bondage to self that we're asking to be relieved of is not applied from the outside onto you. You're the application. The glue is your belief in it. So 
now you're bound to that thought, and therefore the thought, instead of going, like its nature, starts going around you. Yes? You are the gravitational pull that keeps the thought, and then more thoughts encircle it. So now you're having lots of thoughts about you all day, and this is what's driving you crazy. But these thoughts, the gravitational pull is from the planet Paul, not the thoughts. And I'm saying one of the ways to look at it, there's a number of ways to look at it, but one way I'm attempting to throw out to you, because it's been my own experience, that if you question the idea of being that home planet called Paul or Sue, you will lose interest, yes? If you lose interest that you're that planet, you will lose interest in the thoughts about you as that planet, and you will free the thoughts from this gravitational orbit, and the thoughts will come and go as they want, in a sense. Yes? Some have very good information. Hey, you could probably invent something one day with a good thought. But they're not meant to sort of... So now, they're freed. What happens is, this... This apparatus, instead of becoming a storage unit to all these old thoughts and old memories and old feelings, right? Because if you're reacting to life from memory, you've got to have a lot of memory banks. A lot of them. Because life is new every moment. And you have to read what's happening, not you, your apparatus, and then refer back to an old idea that thought happened, or a thought. So you're constantly traveling very heavily because you've got all these old ideas, like we say in AA. You'll, the result will be nil unless you let go of all these old ideas. You have tons of old ideas, most especially about you. So you're now a storage unit, and that's the experience to the noun as traveling heavy. You're meant to be fluid, like, yes, like a, a very light boat that can cut through and navigate and handle different types of weather. You're just a, like an old tanker now. Just a fucking filled up old tanker with old ideas, you know, moving really slow, and everything else is afraid of you. Each moment, this big weight's coming in, and therefore you're out to lunch, literally. And something in you knows it, and you're dying for fucking relief. But what happens is, what do you go to to seek the relief with? Your head, which is the problem. Self can't get out of self. The problem is identification as self, and then you go to the problem to ask it advice about how to get relief from it. <laughs> the relief that it offers is part of the bondage to self. It doesn't say relieve me of self. It says relieve me of the bondage of self. The bondage is, a, is a, an activity. Yeah, because what we are and self are not natural fits. Self is a noun. It's a story of a life from a noun's point of view. And life is a verb. We're a verb. To try to apply a noun into a verb, yes, is a difficult bonding. So the bonding agent, the glue, has to have a lot of juice. The juice, so what it does is it provides a lot of thoughts, but you're the juice. Because you're in relationship to those thoughts as about you, or you're the thinker of them. So your juice as the verb is used to, to reinforce the idea of being the noun. It's your juice that's binding you in the delusion of being a noun. Nothing outside has done it to you. That's the story of noun. 
that everything's happening outside to me. No. The verb has been hijacked, the energy and juice of the verb, and it's actually been hijacked to reinforce the sense of being the noun. So all day, every bit of conscious contact that's happening, your head is claiming it as you being the one who's in contact. So life itself is being exploited to imprison you in a way. The quality of conscious contact is being used by its interpretation to imprison you. In the what? In the prison of self. Now the beautiful thing is there isn't a real prison. Only if only there's a prison if there's a self. So the self, in a sense, is the prison. There isn't two things. There isn't a self that's in a prison. It's when you identify this self, that's the act of being imprisoned. Yes? When you realize you're not the self, you're free from the prison because it's not a noun. It's an act or a verb called imprisoning. So constantly you're listening to all the thoughts in your noggin, and all your perceptions are seeing things as real and solid and separate out there, and this is a real place, and I'm real, and I know this to be true. That is the bonding agent to keep reinforcing the trance or the bondage to self. And it's causing you a lot of discomfort, obviously. Yet, the way we look for relief from the discomfort reinforces the dilemma because we go to the problem seeking for advice. And you actually want to get relief for the self. You want everything to get better just as you are. Literally. We want everything just to get really great but just as I am right now. You don't see the way you feel you are right now is the cause of why it doesn't seem to be great. You don't. We don't get it. We actually still think that I'm separate and totally distant from what's happening, and if just what's happening would ease up, I would be fine as this lovely noun called Paul. And all the other nouns would probably be much better off because I'd be happy as a noun. It is so delusional to look at life that way. You're missing the whole point. That's why it hasn't worked. You don't believe... You've tried every formula that self-centeredness has to offer. All you do is, it's, it's, you've done, me and you have lived every possibility self-centeredness has to offer. All, everyone in this room, over and over again. We've gone over it, over and over. We call it the new turbocharged, the new and improved. It's in a different location. I'll go to Canada or somehow. But we've, done, we've, we've gone over every inch of self-centeredness. It's not there. <laughs> Relief from self is not in self-centeredness. I'm telling you, you don't need to buy another map. It's arid. There's no relief there. We've gone through every inch of it. We've tried every possibility it has to offer. It's time to get off the dead horse. Stop trying to make it ride. It's not going anywhere. What's not happening loves to live in what's not happening. 
Because that's the only place it can seem to live. It lives in the past and in, and, in, and this idea of a future. What's not happening, the original what's not happening, is you as this long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's it. Yeah. In that realm, then we live in what's not happening, which is most of us are living in what's not happening. Your, your intention is more valuing the future than it is now. Your attention is valuing the past than it is now. You are serving that master of self. And you're getting the benefits of serving that master. Your faith, given over to selfing, produces anxiety. Yeah? I mean, if you're lucky, let's say in my life, I had 30 times when I should have really had the experience of fear in my life, being shot at and things like that. That emotion of fear is a valid emotion in this place. But what most of us are suffering from is not fear, it's anxiety. And anxiety is a product from what's not happening. You have to tend to the garden of what's not happening to get a really good crop of anxiety now. Because this this right now, there's no... How can you produce anxiety in this? What threat is being provoked by maybe threat to something, I hope, but other than that, what throat is being pro- what threats being provoked by this? Nothing. So for you to entertain anxiety, you have to go to the crop, the field of what's not happening, and harvest your lovable, lovable, cherished crop of what could possibly happen to me, and then download it now. And your poor apparatus is constantly reacting to a fearful event that's not happening, and you're a mess physically. Nerve-wise, you can't even. You wouldn't be. You'd shit in your pants if peace was available. Literally, you just have a bowel movement like that. You drop one of us in heaven, it'll be hell in a day. Not even a day. I'd say a couple hours. You'll find some fault in heaven. What's not happening is being downloaded into what's happening. And you are playing a big role in it. If you keep being identified as self, you're going to live in the realm of what's not happening. Yeah? You're going to suffer the consequences and the effects yeah, of that. And you're going to bemoan the fact that you feel so shitty, but you won't entertain the idea of giving up the, that sense of being that self. So you just want to get a better self. That's its deal. And when, the, when is that better self going to be delivered to you? Never now. It's always delivered in what's not happening. If I do this and this and this and this, then maybe later you'll feel better. Isn't that the case? Maybe with a shot of coke it's five seconds, but it's always time. Five seconds, four years of college, whatever it may be. It's always put off. And then you have an arrival date that when I arrive there, everything will be great. Has it worked out? How many times have you arrived, and immediately when you arrived, the excuses and the rationalizations for the absence of what you thought was going to translate when you arrived, what happens? Your mind just makes excuses, rationalizations, usually puts it on you, for you had something to do with that happiness not arriving. You fucked up. It's called self-centeredness. Yes? Its whole point is keeping you in the realm of what's not happening, because there it can seem to be happening. Yes? Selfing does not appear to be so here. It's just, if you look at it right now, it's not happening. Selfing is not, is not 
what you are. There is no noun happening. Now. But in the, when you think about the past, all you think about is in the vernacular of nouns and verbs that happen to the noun. And in the future, all you're speculating, speculating about are thousands of verbs you are thinking may happen to the noun called Paul. That's where living self is, in not living. In what's not happening, you can be a self. And it has enough value to you that you'll worry the fucking hell out of it. And with that in place, you're not going to get much relief. There's no freaking way. If the identification of self is not addressed and looked at, all you're trying to do is get temporary solutions to a chronic situation. You're just making, trying to make it a little more bearable than it is now. But this is a radical solution because it looks at the situation and sees no problem. It cannot be... You cannot be a self. The verb can never become a noun. It's just impossible for beingness to become a being. Yeah? It's just beingness. Yeah? With that obvious recognition, you have an immunity to being the noun. And then life will see so obvious to you, it'll just be verbing constantly, and it's very difficult not to get it. You'll just notice what life's the real flavor of life. It's not that it's happening to me. It's happening. It's undisputable after a while. You have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. It's already available to all of us. We're just missing the point because we're looking as that you that's looking for. And the looking for is what blinds you to the fact of what's looking. What's looking doesn't need to be looked for. It just needs to be recognized. Yeah? It's demonstrating its nature. It is the open secret. It is the gateless gate. It's always available at all times. There's no secret. There's no gate that you have to enter. There's no gatekeeper. There's no someone you have to you know, request entrance. It's always available at all times. But not to the you that's looking. The you that's looking for has to shoot it up into the future and make it to be very exclusive, make it to be very infrequent. Yes, to give you a further excuse not to, to actually to give you another reason to keep accepting the unbearability of not being what you are every freaking moment. So it says, oh, I know if I go to the Himalayas and I sit with that teacher, then that's the only place I'll probably get it. And I'm not going there. So then I'll just live with the idea I'm never going to get it. There you go. There's the real dilemma to the mind. It's already solved it. The, un, the unbelievable dilemma of your own nature revealing itself every second, it's now put it into a place in the Himalayas with one person that you're never going to go to. <laughs> yeah. You've just surrendered to self totally. Now, all your faith now goes into the thoughts of self, which create the anxiety that keep you worried and more worried and more worried. And now that ability to open to something is shut down. You're just withholding. And, it's, and, you, and the story about the withholding is that I won't withhold when that mythical something great finally appears. Never now, but down the road. I'll be able to embrace it, but you won't be able to embrace it because this posture will become your posture. Withholding yourself as a noun to the verb of living. The beautiful solution is, this could not possibly be happening. The best way to get out of anything is to realize you are never in it. You have not been in this problem I've been describing. 
That's the reason why I describe it. There is no way in hell that could ever possibly happen. That's the solution. If the solution is I was in self and I want to get out of self, that's a bigger problem. That is not the solution. Because you're verifying the first lie, which is that you were in self. You have never been in self, ever. There's just selfing that happens. And your attention has been hijacked, and you've been attending to it, and your ability to entertain, and the power of your belief is that you can make it seem so. That's the power we are. We can entertain unbelievable stuff. Look at what we've done. We're entertaining separation right now. We're entertaining that I'm not the source of love, that somehow, or that it's never going to show up in my life by now. I've made that decision, or whatever, this and that. We're entertaining unbelievably, and our faith is unbelievably powerful. But you have to realize your ability to have faith is going to manifest here in what vehicle you put it in. I'll say it again. You and I have tons of faith, tons of faith, tons of faith. It's our potential. But that faith will manifest or appear yes, in this place of appearances based on the vehicle you put it in. So most of us have been putting in our faith into self. Yeah? The idea of self or self-centeredness. And like in recovery it says, why do you have so much fear right now? Is because you've been relying on self. Yeah? And why is that? That you have so much fear? Because it's unreliable. So selfing is unreliable. So your faith which is, would be one way of describing it as reliance. Yeah? Your faith in self yeah, is producing the anxiety that you're entertaining now. Faith given into self produces a crop, which is anxiety that you're dealing with now, as if it's real and solid, yet it comes from what's not happening. Same faith put into something that's infinite, when you start trusting or relying on something infinite, the same faith will cause an ease and comfort to be your dominant state now. Same faith. Exact same energy. The energy is neutral. Here, in duality, it can appear one way or the other. I put the faith in a vehicle. Reliance on self. And what that produces in my life is anxiety. And rationales and excuses why I don't have what I really want or what I can't, why I can't embrace what I really want because of abuse or something happened to me when I fell and I've been shut down all this fucking hokey stories. Yeah? Same energy. Here's the reliance uh, on trusting something infinite. Same energy put on here turns into an ease and comfort in your skin now, what I would call traveling lighter. Same, same energy. Entertaining. Entertaining the possibility that I'm a long-lasting, independent, separate noun, that I'm in a world of separation, that this is real and solid, that things can hurt me, because this is the me I am, the body, and my, my feelings. Yeah. Yet, I've entertained it, voila, here's the world. Same ability to entertain, given over to this infinite power, let it manage how that's going to manifest for you. Yeah? Selfing, when it manages it, makes this world seem as real as real can be, constantly reinforcing its reality. Turn over that same energy to this, and this energy will now give you paint a new picture for you. It'll be as if you're a new something in a new world. Yeah? Here, your ability to give meaning. 
things or entertain. It matters what you entertain. If you give this ability to give meaning to over to self, you're going to get an interpretation of life based on self-centeredness. That's what we're suffering from. Most of us are in an extreme example of it called alcoholism, but everyone's in self-centeredness. The same ability to give meaning to, turned over to something greater than self, now that thing, or it's a no thing, or that, whatever you want to call it, energy, will now start giving your life new meaning. Yes? And I'm... And you may like the meaning it gives your life better than the one the self's been given it. Who knows? I have. For me, I can travel lighter with the meaning it gives life than the old meaning I used to have given to it. Yeah? And all you are is a reaction or an expression of what's giving meaning to you. I was an expression of alcoholism. One of the, I thought a perfect expression of alcoholism and addiction when I was out there. I mean perfect. I was never a great spiritual seeker, but I was a perfect devotee to selfing. I could never, I, was the, I, sh- I would have been sitting at the right hand of selfing if there was any right hand of selfing. I had surrendered my whole will in my life, and I lived it perfectly. Perfectly as that. I was a perfect expression of it. Thank God my body hadn't collapsed and died, and something shifted where this same ability to express here was given over to something else, and now that energy is using this vehicle to express another way of life through this. The vehicle is just like neutral in a sense. Whatever takes it over will be what dominates the expression of it. Yes? Now your conditioning makes you a trumpet or a saxophone or a violin. You can't get around that. But what can be played through a violin can be totally different, eh? Some guy can make a really irritating, scratchy sound, and some can be a beautiful symphony. Yeah? Your ability goes both ways in the, in the huge spectrum of expression, but it's going to be based on what's giving your life, or what's giving this violin the meaning it has. Yeah? Now, we've, had, we've been in that orchestra pit of selfing for quite a while. Yes? The notes... The accompanying notes of my life were sirens and, you know, <laughs> bright lights going off and people in uniform beating on me like <laughs> Now, that same apparatus is playing a nicer tune. Yes? I get to walk free. I don't have to be institutionalized. A lot of really nice, larger production value. But the ability to express is the exact same. Whatever I'm taken over by is going to express through this apparatus, yeah? Self-centeredness or reliance on something greater than self. Try it. The fruit will be in the pudding, yeah. The fruit is in the tree. You know, it tells you what kind of tree. When you start traveling lighter, go for it. Open to it. It's a principle you've discovered. Let it apply over your whole life. Not based on feelings or thought. It's more of a commitment in a sense. You recognize something. You have a sober mind, freed from self. You can recognize the unbelievable, unlimited possibility of being alive here. If you take that possibility and surrender it over to something called a power greater than self, that possibility, that violin will play some nice tunes probably. If you turn it over to self, you probably can expect the same old, same old. How, why wouldn't you, you know? If you take that snake in again, and you clothe it and feed it, it'll still bite you. 
That's its nature. It's not going to change its nature. Self is never going to be your ally. <laughs> no fucking way. It's a parasite. That's its, that's its characteristics. It takes over the host. And it's a hostile takeover. We've all experienced it, haven't we? The extremely hostile takeover. This other takeover is much more benevolent, much more beautiful and calming. Yes. You have the choice, in a sense. Let your head pop out of the ass of self and then see what happens out here. Hold the thoughts as maybe just a thought instead of yours. Question the old idea that you're the thinker of them. Well, you're the, all, all, they're always about you. They're only about a body. They're not about you at all. When you recognize that, you'll lose interest in those thoughts. That's called the diminishing of the obsession itself. It's not a wrestling match. You don't win it. You just get disinterested in it. Yeah. Once you're disinterested in it, that interest has got to go somewhere else. It's not like you have a, a certain quantity of interest. That interest now gets freed from that and goes other places. And maybe you'll be interested in the source of life, which is consciousness. Maybe, maybe not. Once it starts resting there, what you call obsession with self, yeah, which is your attention given over to selfing, will be called abidance in the truth when that attention is given over to a power greater than self. It's the exact same energy once again. It's just what you put it in. And it's not you putting it in. You just recognize. Yes? So when your attention is given over to self, that's what's called obsession with self. What fuels the obsession is your attention to all the thoughts about self, isn't it? When you can't go to sleep at night because your attention is glued to that screen, selfing, selfing and selfing. That attention, freed from that and given over to something else, yes, will be sucked out of that little porno theater and go somewhere else. What I notice, it goes out into life and yet doesn't lose the sense of where it comes from, which is consciousness, yes? The other sense is that it's coming from you, that you're conscious. That's the lie. The real truth is you are consciousness. So this is just about a. This is like an offering three times a week. That's what we do. We come here, we entertain something that most of us don't take to be certain, and we entertain it with some semblance of certainty, and so that it gets through. It seeps in. It's coming, and it's not through thought. Yes, it's coming. Uh, it's taking another. It's going another doorway, not through thought. Yeah, because you may like this. But if this thing received it, your little gatekeeper, in a couple of days, it will hate it. That's why usually I leave town if I'm in another town. Because they love what they love to feel it, but two days later they thought about it. Oh, no. What, is, which, what do I have to do? What do I, no, no, no. So, so you've been served, basically. Spiritual subpoena. The court of light is open 24-7. You'll be free from all your fucking supposed guilts and shames. But in the court of self, you've already been convicted. You're living out the sentence right now. Literally. You're living out the sentence that your head playing God has put down on your ass. You have an incredible amount of guilt and shame, probably, based on totally bogus information. Bring the same court, the same case, into the court of light, and you'll be freed immediately. No parole, no probation. It's the freedom. You realize nothing ever actually happened here. You're not that important. <laughs> so, you're really not. You're just a form of expression of life, literally. This is just a way life gets to express you.
if you're willing to use, then you'll be used by self. But if you're willing to be used, then you'll be used wonderfully. But if you're willing to use, then you'll be used by self. If you're willing to be, if you're willing to control, then you will be controlled by self. In the controlling of life, you'll be controlled by self. In the idea that you're the manager of life, you're being managed as self, totally. It's when you give up, when you realize you're not managerial quality, when you surrender what you call your life and your will, you're basically pledging to move to another reliance, in a sense. And the pause is the moment it's always transferred. In that stopping, in that silence, in that eternal moment, that's where the whole road of selfing can be stopped and a whole new vista applied. Yeah? You're at that threshold, crossroad. And you've got tons of support. Three times a week we do it here. getting on fire, too, man. It's cooking me up royally. So, you're getting the muffins right out of the oven, man. And they're going to keep coming. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> so you think you give up once, it ain't the case. <laughs> Subscription is re up like every day. <laughs> I've had enough. No, no. That ain't the case. Come on. No, no. <laughs> you signed for this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why we're scared shit, man. Freedom scares the shit out of self. It wants to be free, but it doesn't want to want to. It wants to want to be free. It doesn't want to be free. Because f- wanting to be free is free of it. Yeah. See, you may think you've been taken over by a parasite, but you're in cahoots with it, in a sense. There's a belief in it. You've gotten comfortable with its takeover. Even if you're bitching about it and wishing that it would be... I give, I give this up in a second. Really, your head wouldn't give it up in a second. Because if it wanted to, it would be so. If you wanted to, it would be so. That's the first thing to tell the truth about. What you may think you are does not want to be free. It wants to be it wants to be better as the self that it is. Yeah. Serious. Put yourself on the dime. See what happens. And really abandon yourself. Abandon yourself to this power. Abandon yourself to this power. It has already revealed itself enough to you. You don't need any more fucking convincing. Abandon yourself to it. Surrender your will and your life if you think you have one. Honestly, do the program as it's put there. And then strap yourself in because it's going to be an interesting ride. But the benevolence just leaks through all day. You just sense there's a goodness of something. I know people say there's no goodness or bad, but this movement, to me, has an ultimate beneficial feeling, benevolent. I don't think it's doing any of it. It's just its nature. Love, in a way. So, all right. Well, uh, any questions? We'll pass the basket. Tommy, can we use your hat? Actually, let's use the shark hat above you. Somebody left that shark hat last week.